0: What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Steady Talk podcast. Um, as always, I am, I guess, I guess we're both technically hosts, co-hosts, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but anyway, we are here, episode 11, I believe. i super excited for this one. Um, our guest this evening um, is actually coming to us virtually um, from the St. Louis area. A good, very good friend and brother of mine um, by the name of Matt Dickens. Um, I will have Matt just kinda of introduce himself and we'll get things rolling. Matt. Thanks so much for uh joining us bro.
1: Thank you, gentlemen for having me. I appreciate you guys. I know starting a podcast is starting anything new is tough, but you guys are able to be consistent lately and you know do well on Instagram. I listened to your podcast. You guys have done a great job thus far. Happy to be here. We appreciate
2: that, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's a. Uh... We were actually we'll be honest we were, we we're having some technical difficulties so we appreciate before so we appreciate matt being 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 you know positive with us on that and everything so yeah. we're we're super excited for tonight you know matt matt dickens he's a he's a mortgage lender he owns his own podcast he has his own real estate with it with his girlfriend and we're really just going to get into mind i'm really 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 excited for this one because i'm an economics major i'm all into finance and the markets real estate all that stuff so I am absolutely pumped to talk about this stuff with you because I, there's a lot of stuff I don't know that I think a lot of other people probably don't know as well. And I'm excited to get your, your information on it. And then what your, you know, opinions, you know, not only with just, you know, refinancing, for example, or mortgage or mortgage lending, and in a nutshell, but also just kind of interest rates and kind of what the market's been doing and, and things like that. So I'm, I'm super excited.
1: Yeah. It's been a tough ride. I'll tell you that, you know, <laughs> I uh, it's, Coming off the glory days of of COVID and two and a half, three and a half percent interest rates to, you know, a five X multiple on those rates. It's, you know, when the consumer is expecting a two and a half, but you can only offer a six and a half or a seven. Um, you know, things get a little dicey. But yeah, super, super excited to talk to you guys. Um, you know, the real estate market is 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 wild, as we all know.
0: Right, so Matt, um, if you want to go ahead, just kind of explain um, your job title um, and kind of um, you know the certain roles that play into that because I know that's something that you're you're very passionate about.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. The I mean, real estate has been my passion for the last was it twenty twenty two graduate last seven years. Goodness gracious, <laughs> um, don't say that too loud. And you know, I grew up in a pretty conservative home. Um, you know, my mom stayed at home, had an older brother, older sister, a uh, you know, you know, pretty modest suburb here outside of St. Louis. And, you know, my dad owned his own uh Finnish remodeling company. And sure. so I was exposed to real estate on that end. Um you know, but I graduated from zoo with a finance and real estate degree and was interested on the business side of things within the real estate industry. So after college, I got straight into the commercial real estate side of things where I was a portfolio lease administrator for Cushman and Wakefield. So um got to see the relationship between a retail tenant and their landlord and kind of managed that relationship, got some really good experience with legal language and, you know, just kind of the bounds of how a tenant should, you know, perform in a lease, how a landlord should perform in their lease. Um, and through that, I, you know, became aware of, you know, investing in real estate. And I saw how much money these lenders or the landlords were making. And I wanted a little bit of, you know, a piece of that pie. So, I was introduced to bigger pockets, got you know, uh, my beak wet with the house hacking strategy. And I originally reached out to Rachel. And I said, Hey, there's this, this strategy that you buy a duplex as a primary residence, yep. you can buy it as you know 3% down. You rent out the other side and you know, live in the other, and you know, you dilute your living expense. We can eat, maybe even live for free. What do you think? She's like, Hell no, what the hell are you talking about? We're not doing that. <laughs> So I had to grovel for a good month or so, but she has a business brain as well. And she finally got on board. So that led me to my experience with mortgages specifically. And I built a good relationship with my lender that did our loan for the duplex. And, you know, he was like, I feel like you would like the mortgage industry. Why don't you shadow me for a day and check it out? And so I did. And I was like, goodness gracious, you made how much money? Um, And this was mid-refi boom. The guy had, you know, a huge book of business to call on. And so I immediately put in my two weeks the next day and became a junior loan officer under him. This is circa Q1 of last year. Um, And so that's where I really got to see, you know, the day-to-day operations of being a mortgage lender. which entail a lot. There's a lot of hats that we wear, you know, as many entrepreneurs or business owners um, or, you know, sales individuals do, but specifically with, you know, being a mortgage lender, my job is to identify the wants and needs of a, you know, a prospect home buyer and uncover their financial profile through credit, employment history, income, and assets and then marry the you know best and most applicable mortgage for their scenario and whatever their goal is and so um within that entails playing dr phil manage emotion okay. managing a lot of emotions um negotiating you know all, all that fun stuff but it's more than just a pre approval you know a lot right. of people are just like I need a pre approval and you know, it, there's a lot that goes into it. So, if that kind of leaves you guys with yeah. a better understanding, absolutely.
2: I had a question, um, but you kind of answered It's like, what, what, what is a good mortgage lender, right? Yeah. Like, what, what are, what would you define as like a good, yeah, as as a good mortgage lender? Obviously, it's it's sort of a sales tactic too, because you have you know different ways to go about it. But from like you know the your core principles that you would pull from how most of them most successful mortgage lenders go what kind of what are some of the personalities or capabilities that you see
1: yeah it's it's double-sided so a mortgage lender like myself i am 100 commission and so who i'm marketing to is realtors because 90 of their clientele needs my services and so that's one end of it on okay. the other end of it is the consumer the home buyer and so what makes a good lender to the consumer, the home buyer is taking the time to understand what they want to do. It sounds easy, but no one does it. Um, listening. I've said this before. God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And a lot of sales individuals don't understand that they have five mouths and zero ears. So I think to be a good lender on the consumer side of things is really listen to what this home buyer is wanting to do and then communicating over communicating over educating it's a hu- we're not buying packs of gum here we're buying yeah. homes assets and so you need to let um for the first time home buyers specifically they got to understand what they're getting into you know and you, you know a lender a good lender will communicate every single step of the way, what milestone they're in and what milestones are coming through the pipeline. Sure. Um, You walk in a a dark room that you've never been in and it's got a bunch of furniture. You're going to run into shit. You know, you got the lender, a good lender turns the lights on. So nobody Mm -hmm. runs into anything. Um, And then quickly on the realtor side of things, communication is key and being honest, you know, a lot of lenders I've, I make mistakes all the time, all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Um, vulnerability is huge. And that's how you build true trust with sure. your business partners is, Hey, I, I screwed up. I screwed up hundred percent. It's on me. Here's my solution. Um, because every time thereafter where you say, Hey, we're good, this is rock solid. They're a hundred percent going to trust you. Right. Um, so that's my opinion on that question.
0: And so Matt, I wanted to to go back um a little bit because you had mentioned Rachel. And for anybody that doesn't know Matt, Rachel is um, Matt's fiance. And um and from my knowledge, the duplex that you two purchased together, you did prop did you do the you two did you two did a hundred percent of the renovations on that duplex. Is that correct?
1: Unfortunately, so what was that
0: process kind of like?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say, you know, I've been asked this question a couple times lately, and it's like, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in your mm-hmm. real estate investing endeavors, or what's the biggest mistake? Um, and it is estimating renovation costs mm, for sure and the scope of a renovation.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, my ignorant self just decides to buy a duplex that's 102 years old oh. and say, all right, dad, it's only going to be about 10 grand of what we're going to do. And he's like, Matt, you want to renovate both bath- bathrooms, update a kitchen, add a garage or update a garage and add a parking pad. Yeah, no, you're out of your mind. And so the process of identifying the scope of work, I mean, was really helps, um, you know, through the experience of my father and which was great. You know, he came over and just really outlined the scope of work, everything that needed to be done. And we just created a process flow and knocked it out, you know, one bit at a time. I was not a lender at that time. I was at Cushman and Wakefield and this was, you know, while all COVID stuff was happening. And so I was able to work from home. Uh And so keep this between us girls. I may or may not have, crammed all of my work to get it on it done before noon so i can work on the house in the afternoons um, well, that's a cool
2: dichotomy of work from home though. A
1: yeah bit. and that's a huge thing too it's like you know for newer investors i think a huge tip and a great tip would or a great thought and consideration would be you know you want to buy a house you need to think more than just down payment and closing costs you know your budget's likely not going to be four hundred thousand. so you you want to buy a duplex in st louis it's good it's going to be if you're if your budget's only 150 then i'm telling you right now there's going to that property is going to need a lot of work and so mm-hmm. who's doing the work um if you're hiring things out i would multiply that that renovation cost by three
2: yeah at, at work i'm a i do purchasing. But I've been doing a lot of renovations because our buildings, the new owners acquired it about nine years ago. So the, the building's been due for renovations and we've been re- redoing our bathroom. And it's kind of my firsthand experience at like a true renovation. And, yep. you know, it's been, you know, 20000 for the full plumbing renovation and then, you know, four grand for the floor. And then another 12 for the tile. It adds up quick. And so it's just it. So it, it's good to hear that you are openly saying, like, yeah, this stuff's expensive. So it's that leads me to my next question. When someone say, because it real estate's hard to get into, or it can seem hard to get into without a lot of capital. Mm. So what do you say about that? Like, how do you if someone wants to get into real estate, maybe not, you know, buying a duplex or renovations but just getting a piece of the pie to get themselves started and educated, where where do you think they should start?
1: Yeah, great. Absolutely great question. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. Like the boring way and the very much hands-off way is to invest in a REIT, a real estate investing trust. I mean, that's basically a stock. So that is like, I just want to say that as a disclaimer, that's a strategy. We can get that out of the way. (laughs) The fun stuff is getting into the residential um, real estate investing. So for aspiring investors, you know, most of them don't have capital and my, I'm always coaching people like you need to bring something to the table, you know, go out and connect with other investors. You know, they might be private money lenders and not want to do any renovation, any, you know, searching for properties. Um, they don't want to negotiate. They don't want to deal make. All they want to do is be a cash provider. Well, buddy up with them. And so they solve your problem for you know the low capital mm. issue. Um, that's yeah. a category that is, is doable. On the other side of things is my favorite strategy, which is house hacking. And there's a bunch of definitions out there, but mine is acquiring a primary residence with the intention of turning that property into an investment property in 12 months. And so what that lets you do is access conventional financing. You're able to buy a property with as low as 3% down. You have to live in it for 12 months. And while you live there, you renovate the property. I'm thinking of a duplex in this case. You can renovate the property. You rent out one side, you live in the other. You're getting amazing landlord experience. You're Understanding the scope of work. If you're doing the, you know, the work yourself, mm-hmm. you get to save money by having the tenant pay down your principal in in your housing expense, and you're able to turn that property, move out of it in 12 months, and buy your next one for, you know, depending on what loan we do, um, you can maybe do a three and a half percent down on the next one. So, short answer is the the low cost way to invest in real estate. Um, would be buying a multifamily as a primary residence, living in one side, renting out the other, and building your portfolio that way to get started.
0: Has there been any, I guess, what I should say? So a, a good friend of mine that just purchased um, a house here in the Kansas City area, and he's a landlord for the very first time, and he has, I believe three or four tenants under him. Um, and I forgot to mention, mention to him that we were going to have you on. Uh, but so I guess what would be some tips um, if I end up sending this to him, what would be some tips for like a first time um, individual who is, you know, getting into the real estate and is and is kind of within their first year yeah. as a landlord?
1: Yeah, it's a funny story comes to mind here. Connor. um, So I'm an overly emotional person as you guys likely know. So I get super excited about things and I specifically remember the zoom call that Rachel and I had with our first tenants. They were our age. They were a couple and we were super pumped. You know, we we're in the duplex, right? So our properties connected. I'm like, we're going to be friends. It's going to be great. And it fell apart quickly. So my perspective was, I'm just going to befriend my tenants. Right. Do not do that. Don't do that. Don't overly trust people because they will take advantage of you. Fast forward eight months down the road. I get a call from their attorney threatening to sue me because apparently Rachel and I defaulted in our lease by not keeping the property in habitable conditions. Because mm. we used mm. oil-based polyurethane when we redid our floors. So, I mean, number one is keep a professional relationship with your tenants. Number two, make sure your lease is locked down. I have a buddy that for you know, kind graces, um, he moved out of his his condo, let a friend move in, and something happened at the property and he never had a lease. And so, you know, he wasn't protected. And so he was fully liable of what had happened. Um, And that's just stuff that you can easily just solve on day one. Write up a lease. There's so many resources out there. Bigger Pockets is a great one. Um, And then pay a lawyer a hundred bucks to look it over. So, yeah, just protect yourself and don't be overly trusting of your tenants is, you know, I can't stress that enough.
0: Yeah. Did you and Rachel like, cause that was going to be my next question. Um, Did you two write out the lease yourself or I know you just mentioned other avenues to kind of help with that process.
1: Yeah. So good question. I, like I said, I was at Cushman Wakefield when all of this was happening, I was a portfolio Mm -hmm. lease administrator. So Mm, I was able to plug and play, you know, certain language that I wanted and what was applicable to our situation Um, I had, you know, one of my mom's friends is a a very experienced investor. I had him send us his lease, his was ridiculous. And so, but he had some good language in there. And so I was able to kind of formulate what, you know, what we wanted. Um, I would say the person, you know, a a new, a new landlord needs to first look up like what their state requires in residential leases, um, and just use that as a template. And then kind of use other resources to add certain language, you know, pet addendums. Um, you know, are they going to require tenant insurance, early termination clauses, that's a big one, mm-hmm. is early termination, you can actually make money in that occurrence, if you do it the right way. Oh. Now, not in every market, this is a very you know, the demand of rent and home buyers is, is both like a lot of people talk about how crazy the demand is for homes. It's the same case for renters. So, you know, we were, we've turned over our property a couple of times in the last 12 months, and we were able to make money doing so because we can get a tenant out on the first day of the month, Mm -hmm. clean the property, you know, for a week or so, and then get somebody in before the end of the month. Well, if you have lease language that says if a tenant, terminates early then they owe the landlord two months rent well i haven't had the property vacant for two months barely even a month and so um i really hope my tenants don't listen to this but (laughs) whatever
2: um what about renting in the short term like yeah you see a lot of you know airbnb and short-term rentals and you know even what is it where you can sublease from it and rent out and say, potentially make more rent per month and then pay the profit on top and keep some, you know, what, what do you think about those? What, what do you think about that market? Or those yeah,
1: it's great. I mean, it's sexy. Like, you know, there's pros and cons for everything. And the huge, huge benefit of short-term rentals is the income potential. So, you're able to in the right markets, you know, charge probably three X, four X sometimes of what you would otherwise be able to charge if that property was a long-term rental. Yeah. Um, You know, but you are subject to local regulations. And so some municipalities are starting to crack down on them. Um, You know, if your property is in an HOA, the HOA could, you know, one day just decide that they don't want to allow, short-term rentals so always having an exit strategy on that but yeah like there's th- that's definitely the new kid on the block um mm-hmm. not necessarily a new kid on the block but everyone's wanting to do that you know it's yeah. i want a new car it's the same thing as you know i want to rent out a i want my own airbnb so um i like it you know it, it's it's fun to do and it's just a lot, you know, if you're overturning the property day over day over day, that that's a lot on the, you know, the operational cost of things. So, for sure. Um. yeah, and it's just sexy, like, you know, the more people that do it, the more people that want to do it. And, you know, everyone wants the idea of buying a vacation home, staying there a little bit, renting out, you know, that property for the majority of
2: mm-hmm. the
1: year you know, the, the beauty of long-term rentals is that you can kind of just forget about them if you do them the right way. Um, That's not really the case for short-term rentals. Of course, you have property managers that help, you know, kind of a lot of the lake work, but, you know, there is a new tenant in there every week. And so that's a lot of risk um, and liability. So, you know, it's, it's no guts, no glory. You get what you pay for. I mean, the benefit of long-term rental is kind of the hands-off approach, but you get less income, short-term mm-hmm. rental, a lot more active action day to day and you get four X the income. So it's, you know, what is your goal as an investor? And, you know, does that make sense for you and your lifestyle is, is always, you know, my perspective on that.
2: Yeah. Then you go back to saying like trusting your tenants. And now that makes me think about it a little bit deeper, you know, cause it's like, well, you're right. Because you are now, seeing a new face every day and you might not even see them. They might just book it you might have it kind of automated. They might just book, you never know what you're going to get yourself into. So that's a good, yeah, that's a good, I've never thought about it that way. So.
0: yeah, And Matt, I I do have a quick question now, something that just came up and this might be a stupid question, but there's no No such thing because I I don't know a whole lot about the, uh, the side of real estate and things like that. So for instance, with my new position, coming up and me having to move to a different state potentially for a couple of years have you ever and I don't even know if this is a thing have people ever like rented an apartment and then put that up as like an Airbnb is that I know there's probably some contract stuff that has to be yeah dealt with in that regards and then I guess that that too if you have you know a short-term tenant for like a weekend or something they end up crashing the place that property isn't technically mine so i just wanted to i guess get you or even chandler's thoughts on if that's something that's even smart to do or or if that's something that people i guess even
1: yeah in in my experience at least i haven't heard of anyone you know building a business model around renting their apartment like the biggest thing there is like you don't own it so i i would first just check that lease and see if you were if if you have any legal rights to sublease Mm, okay property because i figured that was the. i think it's extremely risky if you just let anyone and everyone come through um what the sublease does is protect your your liability in most cases but you know i Major complexes or, you know, even residential landlords are likely not going to.
0: Yeah, because most places have like a want. key fob or like a key. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. But
1: and I think, you know, you're speaking of like, you know, your, your standard college apartment where right. yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. rental arbitrage is a thing. And that's a great business model is, you know, Bob Smith owns a three million lake. $3 million lake house that he goes to once a year Right. and well, walks, you know, Chandler Jacobs. And he says, Hey Bob, you don't see this property ever. What I want to do is pay you market rent every single month. Um, You got a mortgage on it. It'll clear your mortgage. You'll even make $300 a month. What I want to do is turn around and sublease the space through short-term rental through Airbnb, VRBO, and run my business. But what this does is guarantee you a fixed income for the next three years. Right. And so that's that's a huge, huge business model and, and one that's extremely attractive to a lot of people.
0: That answers my question.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I've done a little research on this and that's what it seems to come down to. You can make the money. And that's where I think the start of retail arbitrage started was someone that did exactly that. Yeah. They, went bankrupt or got kicked out of their something or couldn't afford their rent and then they started subleasing and ended up making more and then the the idea probably that's what i think happened the idea probably sprung and became oh this is actually a business model you make money on. yeah i wasn't sure if that was something that people do that's why i wanted to ask mm -hmm. but it's definitely location based though yeah more than anything
1: yeah that's the biggest thing i mean you know In the short term the torso of real estate is location like the brain of i mean the real estate is location mcdonald's was built based on a real estate model of locations so you know that is even more emphasized in short-term rentals but one thing to note is like on a rental arbitrage strategy that that subleaser Is not he doesn't own the property. He or she does not own the property, and so they're not. They're not realizing the tax benefits of owning real estate. Also, they're not realizing any appreciation. You know, they're not necessarily building wealth through that asset. Mm -hmm. Simply cash flow. And so, when people talk to me about, hey, Matt, I want to do real estate, and then I ask, well, what's your focus? Do you do you need cash flow? Do you not have a job? Do you have a job or is your focus on, you know, the future and retiring early, and so I'm always trying to split it up between: Do you want cash flow, or do you want long term appreciation? You can have both; you absolutely can. But there's certain models that you know suit to either one of those a little bit more.
0: So going in, I guess, into your life a little bit personally. Which which one are you currently investing in right now? Are you and Rachel in the long term run, or are you looking to go the the cash flow route?
1: Yeah, it's definitely long term. Um, you know, I would love the income potential right now. Yeah. Uh, I just think that you know I enjoy working number one, mm-hmm. and my business as a lender is. It's, I don't own my own business. Like I don't have an LLC, but I own my own brand and it's a hundred percent job. So a lot of the focus is, you know, building that, but on the real estate side of things, it's, you know, I want to buy an asset for $200,000 right now, knowing in 30 years would come to sell it to pay off my kids college or whatever. Yeah. It'll be worth 500 or 300. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so that's yeah, definitely the it's buy and hold strategy for long-term appreciation.
2: Question on, I know this is probably like, because our audience is usually a like a younger audience and I, I purchased my first home this year as well. So it's, uh, it was quite a process, but I feel like knowing a lot of people go when they think of buying their first home, they have, you know, this X salary and they try and max out the loan that they can get, but that's not always the smartest thing to do because I was approved for X loan, but I decided to go with a a lot lower one because living one below your means and also being able to have stability in your life and not eating up so much of your income just because you want to live in a, you know, $400,000 loan house instead of a 200. So uh, it's kind of keeping up with the Joneses. So what do you see that? Is that often or or like, do you walk through some of your clients like, hey, we should maybe look into something that would be a little more suitable right now, because we don't want to put you into something that'll push you into, you know, more debt or more financial stress.
1: Yeah. You probably like that. You made that decision now with cost of living going up so much, right? (sighs) I'm absolutely. Increasing. I mean, I I was
2: never gonna make that de- like like the, the egregious decision, but it was that. De- but I definitely, yeah, it's definitely worth it for sure because yeah. it's uh, rent in the area is probably more than my mortgage. So right, right, which is good.
1: So. Which is sick. Yeah, you no, just get it. I'm
2: paying myself technically.
1: You no, know, that's you. 100 are not even technically. Yeah, you so. you absolutely are. It's real estate you know, people don't think of, uh, uh, people do, but um, people that aren't necessarily versed in economics and real estate, they don't think about it as a stock, but it is a stock. Yeah. You're buying an asset that is going to, in most cases, appreciate long-term, you know, rent is, you have zero ownership. You're, you've not, you have, that stock is not purchased. And I love the, I love the conversation of Matt. I don't want to pay a 7% interest rate right now. I say, Oh, what, what, what's your living situation currently? Why rent? Well, guess what? How much interest you're paying right now? 100%. So that's like a little mind, mind blow, Um, a little mic drop action, but that's yeah. But to get to your question on affordability and what today's home buyer is doing, it's, it's pretty crazy. I was just in a seminar the other day and the speaker asked everyone to raise their hand if they would agree that 90% of their clients had a debt to income ratio in the 40 or 50% range and every single lender in that room raised their hands. And so what I I don't want to get too technical here, but yep. a debt ratio is a ratio that measures your gross monthly income against your debts. So gross monthly income, we don't realize gross monthly income. It's net, you know, we got to pay taxes, insurance after that. And so we're writing loans that, you know, people, their debt covers half of their gross monthly income. That is before groceries. That is before, you know, bottle service at Roxy's that is before (laughs) anything that we spend our money on. And then, It's, it's crazy um, to see. But yes, to answer your question, a lot of people are keeping up with the Joneses. And to go back to a topic that we talked about earlier in the podcast is what is a good lender? And what does a good lender do? And what me and my team do is talk to the consumer about their debt to income ratio. I try to write loans in the 30%. That is a healthy loan. Um, Now, with the recent interest rate spike it's hard to do that you know people don't they might not have the circumstances you know loose circumstances where they can you know put more money down to reduce their debt ratio or um, immediately get a better job um but with the perspective of let's just kind of weather the storm and refinance in 12 to 24 months once these rates drop We'll get you back down into a healthy debt to income ratio. But for now, let's buy the house, start accumulating wealth and, you know, just, just get out of the renting lifestyle.
2: For sure. Love that. Love it. Yeah. So we'll kind of switch gears, I guess. Um, we'll go. Well, I actually, I do want to ask you, how uh, uh, interest you rates know? are scary. Uh... And especially right now, and you hear interest rates, interest rates, interest rates, interest rates. And I mean like Jerome Powell they they said they were going to at least soften them a little bit or slow them down coming up in the future but what's your take on interest rates and how do they really affect you know what you're doing your business because yeah. a lot of people you know it's just an interest rate and they think when it's high but like you're you're hitting a lot on you know yes it's high but one it wasn't as high as it was in the 70s when it was 15% oh, one and then two <laughs> um you're 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 not paying yourself so can you go a little bit deeper like into interest rates and things like that
1: yeah i first want to note that a lot of people just do not qualify for homes right now and so i don't want to come off insensitive when i'm talking about renting versus buying for um sure. yeah, buying absolutely. a house is not easy to do with the guidelines after 2007 so you know, when a lot of lenders talk about, don't, don't worry about the rate. Don't worry about, well, unfortunately, Mr. Lender, I only make X, Y, and Z and I'm stuck in this job and your guidelines do not allow me, you know, to be eligible for this loan. So I want to get that out there. Um, back to talking about rates though, like uh, forecasting is a dangerous game. One that I do not want to do. It's (laughs) a, it's a humbling, it's a humbling experience. Um, but fundamentally, what we're what we're experiencing right now is you know, a, a government that is trying to combat inflation. Um,
2: yeah.
1: the way to do that is to spike interest rates. What that does is slow down demand, slow down the economy as you know when when demand is so high that it inflates prices um, and what they yeah. you know th- that obviously can't happen. Especially, you know, when you see 45% appreciation in residential homes over 24 months, that is scary on an affordability perspective. So um, going into next year, I do not think that we're going to see a persistent increase. Like people talk about 12% or something. I I, I literally would just want to, you know, pack them in sand. That's insane. Um of course we don't know anything like nothing is guaranteed. As long as inflation is mitigated, we're going to see, you know, the same thing for interest rates and that's happening right now. We stand here in December 1st and we're over a point better than what we were 30 days ago. Meaning interest rates are 1% lower than what they were 30 days ago. Um and that is because the inflation numbers are showing positive signs they're not increasing persistently so what the fed is doing right now is working and so what Absolutely. you what you heard about you know Jerome Powell he's saying okay we're, we're acknowledging that what we're doing is working our our previous comments of we're just running this thing you know 50 basis points every month until the cows come home he's now alluded to the fact of okay we're we're acknowledging that what our recent hikes have done we like what we're seeing so far in inflation numbers, and you know, coming spring and in, in Q1 of next year, we're going to take that into consideration instead of just hike, 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 hike. So, what that does to rates is is obviously help them out. Um, sure. If that answers your guys' question.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do I have any more personal
0: questions, Matt? I know you kind of wanted to ask us a few questions as yeah. well so my favorite yeah, i mean, color is purple um,
1: <laughs> yeah that's that's a good one what are you wearing oh good <laughs> yeah
0: uh khakis <laughs> yeah
1: nice um no i mean you know how has it been and what what have you guys noticed within yourselves as you've you're almost finalizing season one What have you learned about yourselves specifically through all these conversations?
0: Oh, geez. Um, Deep one. I think for, for me personally, it's understanding that everybody has their own, I guess everybody kind of deals like with their, their own issues
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and their, everyone has their own ability to adapt to the current state that I guess they're currently, I guess, currently living in, Mm -hmm. I guess, because I mean, for instance, we, we, we have, or I guess, know a few people and have a few friends that are just really wanting to get out of that nine to five mindset. And I I know that Taylor and I are personally trying to do the same things. And for me personally, I come from a family that is, um you know get a good job live under or at least within your means and save as much as you can and so uh i can easily say that taylor has been a giant influence on my life just as thank you just as well as i know i um i deeply care about you and and jack and your entire family quite a bit and i i also think it's so so important Do make sure to surround yourself with certain people that are trying to do the same thing that that you're doing. Um, And so I know that me, and, for instance, Chandler and I just have a lot of talks about the future and like what we want to do and how to create passive income and make money while we sleep. And um, luckily, you know, with this new, not to get super personal into my life, but a new you know, job coming up to where it'll kind of help me out financially to where I can pursue um, those other, um, you know, assets such such as real estate or I know Chandler's really big into um, stocks and trading and, and things like that and trying to start my own hat company and and kind of clothing brand as well. So it's kind of hard to do that when you don't have a lot of capital on the on the back end to to get that running. Uh, sure. But it also it's just taken a lot of time because i want my products to be exactly how i want them right and it costs a little bit more money on on the front end as well but um to answer your question i i truly really, think that it's important to surround yourself with people that are kind of on the same boat as you um and to understand that everybody's kind of on their own journey in a way to creating a better life for themselves and so I think if you you know I I think if you kind of get in that rut and you are around the wrong people who are you know either talking shit on your ideas or don't believe in kind of where where you're going and what you want to do I think that can be a pretty scary thing yeah Uh, that's why I really enjoy hanging out with Taylor and I, I enjoy moments you know, hanging around you and Jack and, and, um, you know, your aunt Tracy and uncle Kurt are also very successful business individuals as well. So anytime I get to be around them and, you know, any sort of upsetting, um, you know, that's also something that I truly cherish, uh, yeah. as well. So definitely the, the people that you surround yourself,
2: um, I would say would probably be the biggest thing. Love it. Yeah.
1: What about For you, two, me, like? it must
2: be like the one from like the podcast perspective, just the connections that you make to like the people that you have on. Like some people we, we knew very well and other people we we didn't know very well. Mm. But by the end of it, you come out and even your friends or you're not so close with friends before, you know so much more about them than you ever would have. Or you have a complete different respect or a complete different perspective on their life or their situation or what you can learn from them. And that's really unique. And I find it very inspiring. It's very cool. And then also, you know, it's very important What Connor said, it's good to surround yourself with people, but I think just don't be afraid to get your voice out there. Um, You're going to fuck up. You're going to do a lot of things you wish you didn't do or wish you didn't say, but at the end of the day, it's just you and your friends and the people that care about you. And that's if that's all that is really important to you then you know you should be happy with what you're doing yeah and then pushing Mm -hmm. yourself you know like you were saying like you do yourself uh like we do you know it's hard to give up you know an hour and a half of your time to make a podcast sometimes for sure you know uh and just making realizing that those sacrifices are going to pay off so
1: yeah. And I think, you know, how it applies to your guys's message to it's, it's two things, be nice to others mm-hmm. and be nice to yourself. Like on the, on the, be nice to others perspective, you know, shame on you for ha- having somebody trusting you enough to say, Hey, I have this new idea. What do you think? Shame on you for judging them for it. Um, so that really does speak to the point of you You got to surround yourself with people that support you. That doesn't support does not mean yes, men. I don't want yes right. people in yep. my life. Yeah. You know, th- those are not the people I want to be with, but yep. the pe- the people that drive me, the people that know my goals and will help me achieve them. Because guess what? I've asked them what their goals are and I do every single day. My best. What are their referral triggers if I'm at the grocery store and I hear somebody, you know, hey, I just don't have it. I don't have money for my kids. Christmas gifts. Turning around and say, do you like your financial advisor? I don't have one. Okay, this is this is my buddy. His name's Thomas Sullivan. He's going to change your life, like building a community of people that you're all trying to do this. Go up and up and up together, because because I'm telling you right now, when I get to the top of the mountain, I do not want to be alone. I don't want to be looking around and not having friends, family that support me. That's my worst nightmare. Um, and then following it up on the be nice to yourself, like entrepreneurs, the, the leaders. And when you lead, you make mistakes. You know, it's it's the person that walks through, you know, the vacant house first. They gotta knock about a bunch of cobwebs off their face. Yeah, That's what you gotta do. Um, and through the, those experiences, damn, I'm telling you, it's hard it's hard not to judge yourself and get down on yourself when you make a mistake and when you have those distractions and you should have said no to you know that happy hour whatever mm-hmm. um you know being kind to yourself is is something that i struggle with and something that i want to caution for a lot of people aspiring su- success and yeah. I, at the end of the day, you know, mindset is, is reality. So yeah, that's kind you of know, my our, two cents.
2: Our previous pod, our previous guest, his name's Sean. He runs a business as well. And he just said the main thing is you have to have bulletproof, basically belief in yourself in yeah. your vision. And then like you said, you'll, you'll, you'll attract the people around you that also will believe in your bulletproof vision and When you say like, no, yes, man, I love that because I want, you know, Connor, I want Matt, I want my girlfriend, I want that people to challenge me because like challenging, being challenged pushes you in the right direction, you know, challenge your ideas, challenge, you know, what you're doing, not in a negative way, but say, you know, have you ever thought about this way or how could you do this better? You know, because those are, those are your friends that truly want you to succeed. The ones that are willing to kind of knock you down, but pick you
1: back up. 100%. 100%. And what a, what a better time to do it than now. You know, right. the, the year is turning.
2: Mm-hmm. Find
1: find five people that you look up to or you trust that is that, that are going to support you and and keep you disciplined. Schedule a, you know once well, first in January, come together, have a 2022 reflection. What worked, what didn't? What needs improving? Mm-hmm. What can I do better? Um and then Talk about 2023 goals. Right. You know, what are the four ways that I'm going to achieve my goal? And then set quarterly goals mm-hmm. and meet every month. And so, it, putting this on paper, meeting every month, you're not hiding from it. You're not yeah. hiding yeah. that paper. The brain changes all the time, the brain makes excuses. Well, a pen on paper does, can't change. So, come the end of that month, You know, you're sitting there in that meeting, and you're like, "Guys, I didn't, I didn't make my thousand sales calls that I told myself I was going to do this month." Having the right friends that say, "Matt, you will not achieve your goal if you do that again next month."
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Instead of, "Hey, it's okay," you know, of course it is okay, but having those people that challenge you, um, I mean, there's no reason to do this alone. You can't do it alone.
0: No.
1: Having that support system is huge.
0: I think it's, it's super important, too, especially for me. I think it and it could be for a lot of other people, too. I think it's super easy to give up on yourself when you understand that it's not really. Uh, I guess. Hold on. Let me let me rephrase that. I like that idea of getting together with a certain group every month, because if you don't hit your goal, not only does it feel like you're feeling yourself, but then in a way, it also kind of feels like you're failing. Whoever is in that group too, um, and so I've never actually thought about doing that, but that's something. That's something you do.
1: Yeah, I was actually at my uh, dinner last night with guys that would do this exact thing. Um, awesome. And it's the competitiveness too. Like yeah, you know, yeah, we yeah, all played yeah. sports, and so I I am in, in meetings. I've been the guy that's like, let's him motherfuckers. I just sold. <laughs> you know, blah blah blah. But yeah. uh, the the next month, I've been the guy that's walking in with my tail in between my legs, saying mm-hmm. I didn't do shit. Yeah. So, in those moments when I'm at a table with people that I look up to and they're mm-hmm. killing it, but I was a lazy, lazy sack of shit. Guess what I'm doing? I'm I'm hitting the phones. Yeah, right. I'm You're working up. I'm working out. Um, yeah. that's the competitive nature, and it's I'm really fascinated by this. I guess, ideology of just getting out of your brain, get out of your head, talk to people, talk, do this stuff, talk about ideas. Cause I'm telling you right now, as we're on this podcast, I'm learning things about myself. I'm learning. Wow. Okay. I think my, my, my networking group and, and my business group is a really good thing for me. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the brain will tell itself anything and it's a negative son of a bitch. So mm-hmm. yeah, just vocalizing, manifesting with your friends is, is key. For sure. Love it.
0: I want to touch on on one thing too, or uh, well, maybe two things, but um, how important it is, I guess this is, I, this could go for both male and female, how, how important do you think it is? And with your experience, because um, I know having a significant other who is also very um, business driven and things like that, how important do you think it is having someone that's also kind of in that same mindset? Uh, to help like you achieve your goals and and you know, having you kind of help achieve Rachel's personal
1: goals like as well. yeah, I mean, I am incredibly fortunate to have such an amazing person to spend the rest of my life with and and call my life partner like when I say that she makes me better, I I, I feel, so fortunate and blessed because i know a lot of my associates do not have that and so right right now it's seven o'clock you know i'm not she's not begging me to come home you know she understands that i'm I'm on a podcast and i'm doing things to you know help my friends but also build my brand right and having that support is huge there's enough resistance already and temptation already you don't need it in a partner um It's been huge for me. And, you know, I guarantee you I'm coming home and she's probably going to be on her laptop, like doing a a listing presentation or something. She's hustling, too. And so on the days that I'm slacking, I'm coming home and seeing her hustle. It's it's like shit. You know, (laughs) she woke up at four o'clock this morning. She's in Houston traveling by herself tonight. She's got to come home. She's got showings all weekend. It's insane. Now, there is an aspect of this where it's tolling and it's taxing on. A relationship yeah. we have great communication but you know you don't want to run yourself in the ground people bragging about how much they work is ridiculous it's stupid oh you only work 60 hours a week i worked 80 like cool nice <laughs> yeah no absolutely not um but yeah i mean having that support and, and working on things together has been enjoyable but also you know it, it's been special that's awesome
2: man so that's amazing and uh, any last words? We're probably going to wrap it up here pretty soon. Miss, Mr. Matt?
1: No, I'm just excited for season two. What do you guys have anything in the store? Anything in uh, mind?
2: This is since we kind of got out. Uh, we just wanted to start. We got this, we're going to get this one finished. And then we plan on launching again in August but we're going to have the whole season recorded and edited and ready to go. And it'll be on auto upload. Yeah. So then we can, so I hope, you know, I'm not going to say, I hope we will, we will have better, you know, quality. We'll have video next season. We'll have, you know, more guests and be a little more flexible too, because, you know, thankfully you were available tonight, but sometimes, you know, it gets a little tight on our schedules because, you know, not everyone can come, you know, on a two, on a Monday night or a Thursday night after work, you know, it might need to be a weekend. So working around schedules has been yeah. kind of the hardest part, to be honest. It's just finding people that are willing to do it so quickly on short notice. So we're excited for next year because then we can, you know, really hone down our guests and get a good roster of people for next year.
0: Yeah. But it's definitely been a giant learning curve. Um, Even just
2: communicate
0: yeah Yeah. holding the conversation and and things like that and um now that we have a a better sense of what it's going to look like moving forward we can definitely plan um and get the you know better equipment and stuff that we need in order to just make the the podcast better have it you know be better for our guests improve on our social media um hopefully try to do reels and cool stuff like you do for your pod Maybe if we're in the St. Louis area, we can do one.
1: Yeah, damn um, right.
0: I definitely think we could probably make happen. But yeah, no, um,
1: that's easy money. And you know, it's funny that once these mics turn on and the cameras are on, it's like, oh shit, it's yeah. getting real. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, the more with anything that you do often, you get better. So right. you guys will you guys will do great. I think what you're doing is fantastic. Kudos to you for sticking with it. Do not quit. Mm-hmm. Um you know, if you guys need any other guests, you know the St. Louis, you know business community is one that I'm in, I'm involved with pretty heavily. So Absolutely. if there's anyone yeah. that I can introduce you to, um, I would love to do it. Also, shameless plug on my end, I'm licensed in Missouri and Illinois. That is not just <laughs> oh, So <sorry. laughs> if you guys need a little refinance or mortgage, or if you know anyone looking to buy a house, please please send them my number. Would love to help them out. Yep, for hey, sure, man.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Um, the next 24 months, you know, when then rates start coming down, we'll talk.
1: Damn we'll right, talk. baby. Absolutely. I'm sure you're not liking that seven or six and a half percent, seven percent. No. Yeah,
2: it's like it's like there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like there. But hey, we appreciate you a ton, Matt. Um, it's been it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for hopping on here. And uh,
0: yep, we love you, man. And uh, as always, stay steady. Stay steady,
2: sir. Have a good one. All right,
0: boys. Peace. All right. Bye.